Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening your eyes to a new view of life. I'm McKay Christensen, and I'm excited you joined us today. Now, this podcast series is a bit different from others you may listen to. It's not a daily news podcast, it's not Crime Junkie, or a podcast dedicated to a social cause. This podcast is born from a deep desire to help all of us live a happier life. And the firm belief that a powerful way to make that happen is to open our eyes to new ways of seeing life. You see, at the foundation of our behavior and beliefs is the way we see the world and ourselves in it. So hopefully this podcast will give you a new perspective and tools you can use to think and live better. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about the surprising power of getting clarity in your life. Now, let's say you're a high school basketball player with aspirations of playing in the NBA. What are your chances of making an NBA team? Well, of the 550,000 basketball players in high school this year, only 18,000 will go on to play college at some level. But when it comes to the NBA, there are only 60 NBA draft picks each year. And that means your odds are 1 in 10,000 of making it to the NBA. The odds of making it to the NFL are a little better at 4 in 10,000. And the odds of a track and field athlete making it to the Olympics are the smallest of any sport, 8 in 100,000. So when you watch the Olympics like we did last year, you've got to admire those who compete. They are the elite of the elite. Now, one of the Olympic races that captured the attention of track and field fans was the 2020 Women's U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials held in Atlanta, Georgia. As the runners lined up on the start line that day, there were only a handful of women the experts thought could actually win the marathon. One of the first factors in picking the winner beforehand was to find those who had already met the Olympic qualifying standard. You see, for long-distance racing, you need to meet a minimum time in order to run in the Olympics. And for women marathoners, that was a time of 2 hours, 29 minutes, and 30 seconds, which translates to a 5-minute, 40-second average per mile pace. Now, only six women in the Olympic trials field had ever run that fast. For example, one such woman was Sally Kipiego. Sally was born in Kenya and ran for Texas Tech University. In 2017, she became a U.S. citizen, and as a professional, she had won many times. She was runner-up at the New York City Marathon in 2016, and she brought to the start line a 10-year racing career as a professional with titles in all distances, including the half marathon. Surely, Sally was a favorite. Joining Sally Kipiego on the start line that day in Atlanta were several other big names like Des Linden, a longtime marathoner, Sarah Hall, Molly Huddle, and Alpine Tuliamuk, a skilled Kenyan-born runner with a long pedigree at long-distance racing. Standing alongside these runners but getting little or no attention was Molly Seidel. She was seated 139th. Now, seating is your expected finish place. You see, the experts expected 138 runners to finish ahead of Molly. Molly had never run a marathon. In fact, her most recent professional run had been two years earlier at the U.S. Cross-Country Championships. Molly was no stranger to racing. She was born in Wisconsin, and she was an excellent runner. 
She ran for Notre Dame in college, and in 2015, she won the 5,000-meter race at the NCAA tournament. She was a serious runner in college. But just to show up to the U.S. marathon trials with no racing in the prior two years and never having run a marathon and expect to qualify for the Olympics? Well, it was a long shot at best. And to make matters even more complicated, two months before the trials, Seidel went public with her struggles. You see, she revealed that for most of her life, she had battled an eating disorder, OCD, depression, and anxiety. Her teammates and family saw her OCD manifest itself in disordered eating throughout her four years at Notre Dame. She often looked sick. Yet, Molly was Notre Dame's first individual national champion in women's track and field. And after her win in the NCAA championship, she said, it looked like I had it all. But inside, I was struggling with crippling anxiety and bulimia. Molly says, when you're in the midst of a disorder... It just takes up so much of your brain space all the time. And that's what I hate the most about it. You're just thinking about it all the time and worrying about it. Now, maybe not to Molly's extreme. I think we all suffer from time to time with our own disordered life and thinking. We may portray good things on the outside and hide the thinkings or worries on the inside. Many of us have dark times in which we struggle with insecurities and personal issues. And again, we may look put together, but sometimes we mask what we really feel or think. Well, in facing her disorders in life, Molly did something remarkable, something we could all do. She found clarity. She got clear about who she was and what she was all about. You see, after college graduation, Molly could have signed a professional contract with a big shoe company, but she didn't. And instead of competing in the 2016 Olympic trials and signing a professional contract, she entered into a treatment program. There, she gained clarity and found order and skills to manage her disorder. She had stressed and worried for years that her running career would end tragically because of her issues, but little by little, she gained understanding. First, understanding that she wasn't alone, that this disorder was all too familiar in young women trying to run at this level. And she got clarity about how to run and train and most of all live life with a new body and a new approach. She gained the mental techniques to pull herself out of her dark and cloudy moments. She gained self-awareness and tools and an open support system where she didn't need to hide anything. And she grew in her ability to eat the enormous calories needed during marathon training and deal effectively with the mental conflict that came along with that. So in 2020, with a newfound clarity in her life, but without a professional marathoning resume, she put on her running shoes and stepped up to the start line at the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. As the gun went off, the first mile went out at a slower pace of 6 minutes and 13 seconds. But that would be the last mile they ran over 6 minutes. In the 20-mile-an-hour gusty winds and the ups and downs of the rolling hills of the course, Alpine Tuliamuk was relentless. At one point, she sprinted forward at a pace of 5 minutes and 17 seconds per mile, creating a huge amount of distance between the front runners and herself. What did little Molly Seidel do? Well, she stuck with Alpine on every move forward. 
Each time Alpine would pick up the pace, Molly followed. And in the end, Alpine won, but only seven seconds behind, after 26 miles, was 139th seated Molly Seidel, who ran her first marathon in two hours and 27 minutes at a five-minute, 38-second-per-mile pace. Molly was headed to the Olympics. You see, clarity gives you power to act decisively and deal with the storms and challenges that come your way in life, like COVID. You see, the delay of the Olympics by one year due to COVID would have been something that without her newfound clarity, it would have derailed Molly mentally. But instead of letting it take her into depression, she seized the opportunity to get marathon experience and ran the London Marathon, placing sixth. So when the Olympics actually rolled around in 2021, she was a two-time marathon veteran. What happened in the Olympics? Well, world record holder Bridget Kosagi of Kenya and her running mate took gold and silver. They were simply unstoppable. But hanging on their heels for the entire 26 miles was little Wisconsin-born Molly Seidel, who won the bronze medal despite the extreme heat and awful conditions. What happened as she approached the finish line? Well, her emotions just flooded to the surface. Over the last quarter mile, she cried, then screamed in triumph, and then cried again. Really, only Molly and maybe her coach and family knew what this race really meant to her. Yes, a victory over other runners, but more a victory over the confusion and disordered life that had plagued her for so long. Molly would say, People want this marathon and the Olympics to be my new story, but the reality of my life is much messier. I'll never overcome my eating disorder. I still struggle. I'll relapse. I'll actively deal with the ups and downs of it. It's not something that a nice tidy bow like the Olympics can disguise. And people want to define me as the eating disorder runner or the once great runner who overcame an eating disorder, but I am much more than that. And she is. She's a winner. Now, I don't know what things bring confusion or disorder in your life from time to time, but there is power, unexpected power, like Molly found, in getting clarity, getting crystal clear about who you are, where you are, and the order of your life. Now, the definition of disorder is a state of confusion, also a condition that disrupts normal mental functions. And that is what a lack of clarity does to us. Now, to illustrate the power of clarity, imagine you're in a sailboat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Your navigation instruments are out of order. It's cloudy, so you can't see the stars. Uh, what do you do? How do you move forward with confidence? Even if you move in a particular direction, you're worried, stressed, and anxious about whether you've made the right decision or how you're going to make it safely to your destination. And if a storm comes your way and blows you off course, there's little, if any, way to know if you're on track and you feel powerless. Conversely, assume your navigation instruments are in order. You know where you're headed, and the same storm comes along. You have confidence you can get back on track because you see clearly where you are relative to your destination, and you understand your circumstances, and this gives you the ability to act and act with more power. The way we live our lives is strikingly similar. When we have clarity and our navigation is in order, 
we can take on life with Molly Seidel-like confidence. Even if there are storms that come our way, we can see and know how to move forward. Again, when there's disorder and a lack of clarity in our lives, we feel the opposite. We feel we're drifting and not living our life on purpose. According to the Pew Research Center, the majority of working Americans feel like they are drifting in their career and not doing what they want. Over 64% of us do not have a clear plan or savings for retirement. Over half of us struggle with our weight and don't exercise regularly. And in a recent general social survey, it says that only 14% of Americans say they are very happy. Here's my point. It seems like that we fall into drifting in our life. And the more we tolerate drifting, the more it becomes the norm. Now, you may not feel the same as other people participating in those surveys, but I think we all drift from time to time, and the drifting robs us of our ability to be at our best. And like Molly Seidel, we may even perform well from time to time, but our underlying health and mental strength may be suffering. When we get clear, we get healthy. When we get clear, we get capable. When we get clear, we get happier. So as you look at your life, what's not in order? Where do you wish there was more clarity? And when I train in large groups on this topic and ask the audience what's not in order in their life, the most common response I get is related to weight, to physical exercise and, and health. Does that surprise you? Not me. It seems this is an area of struggle for a lot of people, and I understand why. It's easy to drift in terms of exercise. Once you get out of the habit, things get unclear, and it's hard sometimes to get it back. So, here are a few points of clarity. The CDC has minimum guidelines for physical activity each week. They say five days of moderate aerobic exercise and two days a week or more in which you work all of your muscle groups like legs, hips, back, abs, chest, shoulders, and arms. So what about you? Do you do aerobic exercise for 30 minutes a day, five days a week? Now, here's what aerobic exercise does for you. Helps you lose weight, increases heart and lung fitness, activates your immune system so you can ward off viral illnesses such as colds and flu. Helps you lower blood pressure and blood sugar. Keeps your arteries clear, improves your mood and sense of well-being, keeps you younger, and studies show helps you live longer. Now, the same guidelines also say we need several days a week in which we work all our muscle groups. This means weightlifting, cross-training, yoga, and other strength training. With strength training, here's what you get. You lose more weight by boosting your metabolism. It reduces depression, improves your joints, increases your strengths, and improves your bone health. And most of all, it boosts energy. You'll have more energy during the day. Why? Well, anaerobic exercise increases your body's ability to store glycogen or energy because it's anticipating your next intense physical activity. You see, exercise turns your body from a fat storing machine into a fat burning machine. Now, for me, I exercise in the early mornings. That's my order of the day. I set aside 60 to 75 minutes each day. On Saturdays, I'll go a bit longer. So I'll do aerobic exercise. And after that, I'll set aside the remaining time for strength and cross training. And I'll rotate each day to different muscle groups. 
Now, when I was a young father with plenty of kids at home, I accepted a challenge to join the 530 Club. This is an exclusive club. It means you wake up at 530, and 530 typically gives you 60 to 90 minutes for exercise, a morning podcast, short inspirational reading, and the things you need to get your mind and body right before you have to prepare for the day. And it has blessed my life ever since. There's a side benefit, by the way, to the 530 Club. You'll always sleep well. At bedtime, your body doesn't take much time to get to sleep because you've established the right rhythm and order in your life. Now, when you join the 530 Club, you get clear about what's important to you. You create the energy and mental strength you need in your life, and it can change your life. Remember, the first few days of the 530 Club are not fun, but here's the way I feel about it. You can face the pain of discipline now or the pain of regret later. And discipline now gets easier the minute it becomes a regular part of your day. Now, there are other items of clarity you can put to use to improve your health. Eating cleaner, healthy portions, how to control your blood sugar, but we'll save all of that for another day. Let me add just one simple item of order for your week. I like to take one day off from exercise each week. For me, that's Sunday. When the kids were living at home, it was a morning to have fun, to connect with them and be a bit lazy. And this is exceptionally important. Your muscles need to recover and you mentally need to recover. And here's why it works. You give yourself permission to smile and play and relax. And this is also an important part of the rhythm of life. All right, let's talk about clarity and order in other areas of life. Let me ask you, what has been the movie that has both won and been nominated for the most Academy Awards in a single year? The answer, Titanic. Titanic, by the way, was the first film that cost over $200 million to make. And it was also the first film to gross over $2 billion in revenue. Now, Titanic was almost three hours long, and it had lots of reasons for the studios to reject it. But the minute James Cameron took the idea to Paramount and 20th Century Fox, it was approved. Why so quickly? Well, there are a few theories. You see, Cameron had a stellar track record. He had directed the Terminator series, Aliens, True Lies, and other successful films. And it came on the heels of the discovery of the actual Titanic at the bottom of the North Atlantic Ocean. And new technology had enabled the filming of the wreckage of the ship, which was included in the film. And our list could go on, including the list of stars included in the cast, the popularity of the story, and the technology used in filming, and so forth. But here's what I think. The reason people were so attracted to the story was the plot, the storyline. It was something everyone could relate to. Not the story of the ship but of the main character, Rose. The story is based on the life of 17-year-old Rose. She was engaged to a wealthy, upper-class, domineering fiancé named Cal. And not far into the movie, we learned that Rose is distraught and drifting in a loveless engagement to someone she doesn't love and living a life she does not like. And after setting sail, Rose climbs over the railing, intending to jump overboard when Jack, a poor young artist, coaxes her back onto the deck. 
Over the next few days, Rose gets clear about who she is and what she wants in life. She realizes that she loves learning and adventure. She abhors upper-class parties and how upper-class people look down on others. She wants to make a difference in the world, and she wants to do that with Jack. In short, it's a story about getting clear about who you are and what you really want in life. It's a story about becoming powerful because of that clarity. And Cameron, the studios, and Kate Winslet, who played the part of Rose, saw the power of the script the first time they read it. So how did Kate Winslet get the part? Well, Gwyneth Paltrow, Winona Ryder, Reese Witherspoon, and others were also shown the part. But Kate sent Cameron daily notes from England to petition him to consider her. She sent him a single rose with a card signed, From Your Rose, it said. She called him, one time saying, you don't understand, I am Rose. I don't know why you're even looking at other people. Now, maybe she was motivated because she'd be playing opposite Leonardo DiCaprio. But I think she saw what everyone else saw. The story about Rose realizing who she was, what type of life she wanted, and the clarity it gave her was too compelling to pass by. Well, Kate Winslet got the role. The movie was a success, and she was nominated for an Oscar at the age of 22. So what about you? What role in what story is waiting for you? What clarity do you need to fill your roles in life like you can and should? Perhaps you need greater clarity in your role as a father. You know, many fathers at some point in life get clear about their role, especially that as a role model. One good role model is worth a thousand teachers. And my favorite story about being a model is this. In my speaking career, I haven't had a lot of luck with introductions. One time I was speaking at a meeting and the person introducing me ended with, and McKay is also a model husband. Please welcome McKay Christensen. So I went home and told my wife I was a model husband because I'd been introduced that way. Everyone else agreed. So I obviously was, to which she went into the office and got a dictionary and came back and read to me the definition of model, which was model, a non-functioning replica of the exact same thing. Being a role model as a father isn't easy. And the first thing that needs to happen is to get clear about what you want to model. As a father is putting God first in your life, what you want your children to learn. Is it how to treat others with respect? Is it that honesty matters most in life? Is it initiative, creativity, or being persistent? Whatever that might be, it's critically important that you get clear about what it is. And once you've identified that clearly, decide how to bring that thing into the order of your life. For example, if you want to role model faith in God, do you pray with your son each night? Do you attend church service with your children? Both of these would bring order into your role modeling efforts, right? Here's a quick story. When I decided to try to model faith to my son, I decided to try to pray with him each night. And when he was six years old, we had a neighbor from Uruguay who was an IT developer and lost his job. So my son and I helped where we could. We took food, mowed their lawn, and did other things to help. And one night, after helping out our neighbors, we were saying our prayers. Jared prayed that our neighbor could get a job. And during this prayer, I had an impression. Here we were praying, 
But what had I done to help our neighbor with his job search? I knew recruiters. I hadn't made any phone calls. And I decided I should help him with his job search. So the next day, inspired by my son's prayer, I called two recruiters I knew. And one got back to me shortly. He had been hired by Citibank, and they were looking for an IT executive in Uruguay. Sure enough, my neighbor got the job, and they had wanted to go back home, but they wanted to do so with a good-paying job with a U.S.-based company. And he ended up making two times what he was making before, and now they could live closer to family. He's still a Citibank executive. My point, when you get clear about roles and what you want to model, and you order your life to do so, you'll be surprised at the remarkable things that will come about as a result. And the most remarkable things may just be the type of children you end up raising. Children are great imitators. It's in their DNA to imitate. So give them something great to imitate. Now, perhaps you want to model persistence or hard work or excellence. If so, find ways to order those things in your life. As Edward Deming said, it's not enough to do your best. You must know what you want to do and then do your best. Now, what are the other ways to bring clarity into your life? At some point, you may want to examine your financial life. Do you have disorder in the way you manage your money? If so, then get clear about where you're going and what you need to do regularly to get there. Clarity requires a goal, a plan, and even a budget. One element of order that we placed in our financial life to help us get out of debt at a young age was the simple principle of make it automatic. For us, that meant automatic withdrawals. You see, once we got clear that we wanted to get out of debt, we set up a reasonable budget. Each month, when we were paid, first we tithed, then we paid into our savings, and then we paid two times our mortgage payment. But the secret was, the payment into our savings was automatic, meaning we set up with the bank to automatically transfer the same amount out of our checking account to our savings account each month. And we did the same with our mortgage. We changed our regular payment to two times our mortgage amount and made that payment automatic. So each month, we didn't have to decide again that we were going to do it, we made that decision only once. And then each month, we only had to think about and manage what was left after paying into our savings and mortgage. Everything that was left had to make due for the month. Now, I had to work an extra job, but we never thought about using the savings or changing the mortgage payment. It was automatic. This automatic order in our financial life, after about seven years, allowed us to be debt-free. A great teacher once said that habits, goals, and change in life are sometimes like elephants. They are hard to move, difficult to guide, and they go where they want to go when mood comes into play. So how do you guide an elephant? Clear the path in front of it. Make it easy for the elephant to follow. The same goes with clarity and goals in life. Make it automatic and you'll likely succeed. Now, are there other areas in your life that need clarity? Oftentimes, we make a decision to start a new business, for example, or begin a new program or undertake something worthwhile. And doubt comes along like it usually does. Doubt robs us of clarity. 
don't doubt your decisions. If you're going to doubt anything, doubt your doubts. You see, clarity allows you to be bold. And too many people in business and an uncertain economy are stuck because they start playing defense to protect themselves from losing rather than playing offense and being creative. But clarity allows you to play offense, take calculated risks, and worry less about what you're doing. I recently took over leadership of a large organization. There were no organization goals in place, no measures to speak of, and no written strategy. They were simply trying to cut costs and get by with less than and survive. And as a result, they hired less than people, had a less than product to sell, took few risks, and the less than mindset seemed to prevail throughout the organization. It was a bit miserable. Less than is miserable. Clarity brings the opposite because you're not living as less than. Think about the father who's clear about his role. Is he a happier father? Yes. Think about the person who has order in their daily exercise. Do they feel better about themselves? Of course. I've also learned this important lesson. Clarity attracts. When you're clear about what you're looking for and who you are and what role you're playing, you'll attract the right people and the right resources in life. Now, one last thought for the day. Have you ever put together a 1,000-piece puzzle? Now, I like puzzles as a mental break from life, so I do a puzzle now and then. Imagine trying to put together a puzzle and not having the picture of the finished puzzle to refer to. It would be almost impossible, wouldn't it? The same goes for what you're putting together in life. When you have a clear view of who you are and what you're trying to become or do, just like a puzzle, it will help you put those pieces together. You need the clarity of the picture of the person you are becoming. And this level of clarity allows you to be bold, to try with more courage and to do and to attempt what you might not otherwise attempt. And secondly, when I put together a puzzle, I find all the straight edge pieces first and make the outside frame. This helps me have structure to do what follows. The same for life. Find the things that are easy to order in your life. Establish a rhythm. Exercise. Purposely fulfill your roles. And you'll find that the pieces in the other areas of your life come together much better than you think. So as we end, remember Molly Seidel. Your marathon, your life, your race is waiting for you to get clear about who you are, where you stand, and the tools you need to run your race. Get out of the drift of life. If you feel like you're drifting, put some order to your life. Join the 530 Club. Make a rhythm to your daily routine. Make things automatic, and you'll find greater self-worth and health. And find your important roles. Get clear about what role you want to play. Seek the part and then bring order into what you want to model to those around you in your life. If you'll do this, I'm certain that you'll find blessings and gifts that you would not otherwise find. Well, thanks for being here today. Don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.